listeners. Tonight is a very special episode of Find the Line. Right now, me and Ben are sitting on my veranda under the moonlight on a starry lit night, drinking beer, looking into each other's eyes, hearing the sounds of the crickets in the background as we talk about love. Well, 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 come. <laughs> this could take a while. What are we welcoming people to, Ben? Finding the line Ooh. of this wonderful podcast, ah, which yes. we record and conduct so that it may make its way through the oh. wonderful field of technology to your ears. Exactly. I guess we should know our names. My name is Nathan. And I am Ben. It's a pleasure to meet you again, Ben. It's a pleasure to meet you too. <laughs> again, Nathan. Ah, so. <laughs> what we... How have you been? How have I been? I've been, I've been well. Have you? Yeah. I thought you've been sick. Well, I was sick. Sorry, I've if been... I just had an echoey sound right there, it's because I'm talking into a bottle of beer. Yeah, that's true. That's exactly <laughs> what he's doing. Uh, I've been sick for about four days, um, but I'm feeling a lot better now. I feel like there's like a post sickness high. Like, <laughs> like once once the sickness is kind of gone, you're like, I'm on top of the world. Yeah, where you still have that real like low sexy voice, but I you do. still feel good about it. I I'm gonna miss it when it goes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. We just have to roll with it. What about yourself, Ben? How I have you been? am a fantastic. I've just got back from a two week vacation. Um, over in the wonderful Fiji Islands. Oh, that sounds beautiful. Um yeah, it was fantastic. It's very sad to be back. I love you all, but it's very sad to be back. I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure. It must have been just such a, an amazing and lovely and delightful trip to be on. Yeah, it was. We had like, there was quite a large group of us that went, 11 of us, including uh, my kids and a very good friend of ours. Our best friend, actually. And yeah, oh, we just uh, had stayed in this amazing resort. Um, we had... I went out to a place called Cloud Nine, which is this floating barge out on the ocean. Oh, wow. And we went on these river tours and we just sat by the pool and had mojitos. Oh. I found this amazing cocktail called a Happy Fijian, which I don't even know which is in it, but it was so good. And made you happy, I imagine. It made me very happy. <laughs> um, swimmer bars are the bomb. Filling everything to the room is the bomb. <laughs> you know what else is like a bomb? It's what fire. else is like a bomb? Fireworks. Fireworks are like a bomb. <laughs> So we have sort of introduced our episode for tonight, but before we do that, let's go off to question time. Hello, please leave a message after the tone. So we have a question from one of our regular and amazing listeners named Paul. Hi, Paul. Hi, Paul. Here's great questions. Uh, he even had a great question for us on the live event. Yes. So if you go back and listen to him, you hear his wonderful voice and you can envision him or imagine him speaking this now. Absolutely. His so question to question? us 
is what is your take on people having a calling for ministry? Interesting. And we'll leave the question there. I think that's a... This is a really interesting question because um, I struggled with what to do with this one for a while because okay. it was a big line for me. Uh, even my dad pulled me up on it a little while ago um, because when I decided I was going to go to Bible college and just like leave the job I had and, you know, for all intents and purposes from anyone's outside perspective, put my family basically on the poverty line, <laughs> move away from home and my entire support system and go and sign up for higher education to go for a job that I didn't even know what to do with because, quote unquote, I felt called by God to do so. Yep. Uh, for most people, like, sounds a little crazy. <laughs> And I was pretty hardcore, like, really believing that. But I definitely wouldn't use that language anymore. Interesting. Um, so, maybe you have more of a grounded idea on that concept to begin with. So, let's go with what you think. What, what, how would you go with this whole idea of calling when it comes to God and ministry? It doesn't have to be ministry specifically. I was about like, to what say, is it when what God I, calls? Yeah, because that was going to be my first deconstruction. That was like the word ministry. I think, I think we're all called to to the life of God and, and to outwork that in the world. I want to start, so I won't obviously go down that rabbit trail, but I want to start, first of all, I would say there's a difference between a general call and a very specific call, I think. General call. General call, nice. nice. I would say that all people are called to love God and love neighbour. And I think if we don't start there, then any discussion on calling, I think, falls short of uh, a, f- a full picture of what it, what it means to live a life going in a particular directional directions. Mm-hmm. So I want to start there. I want to start to say, well, actually, because this was a question I was asked in youth group quite a bit. And I used mm. to do youth group. I was like, well, what, what's God's will for my life? I was like, actually, it's to love God and love neighbor. Like that was where I used to start. Yep. Now, it's a bit of a cheeky response because, of course, there was after something a bit more pinpoint and concrete and... I'll do the typical, you know, pastoral things like, you know, what, what, what do you like? What, what do you desire? Uh, you know, what, what is it about your personality and what you're good at that you think you could match with the general call of loving God mm. and loving neighbor? And I use this caveat and say, it doesn't have to be explicit church-based ministry. Like, what is it that you're passionate about? So I used to start there. Um, so I think when it relates to calling, I'm in, I'm in two sides to it. Because on one hand, I do think there's something that kind of comes from the inside out and then one that comes from the outside in. I'll say the inside out is one I've already touched on and that is well just discern your desires. You know, what are you good at? What do you what do you desire? What 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 keeps you awake at night and excited to do in life? Um, or on the flip side, what are the things that bring a tear to your eyes that that you know you feel like you can have a have a part in alleviating suffering or or doing something in the world that's meaningful for yourself. So that's kind of I would say from the 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 inside out that there's something from the in you that's been for lack of a better expression planted there and that that becomes something that you lean into as part of what it means to what it might look like for a particular person to love god love neighbor that said the the pentecostal in me does also want to say that there is an outside in that there is a sense that there can be particular occasions where you and how to do this is complicated I don't think it's simple. I think I think it takes a lot of wisdom, but I do think there can be a sense in which you feel like there's something from the outside drawing you somewhere and drawing you 
somewhere into something and to just explore that. I think I think the problem with people hearing that though is that it makes it in some sort of binary right or wrong. It's like, well, you either follow this or, you know, you've completely screwed up your life or something. I think, I think God can hold those decisions, our micro decisions, our macro decisions quite, quite lightly and quite well and can just weave something together. I don't think, you know, if you didn't follow something explicit, you're screwed. Nonetheless, all those caveats being put into place, I would say that it is possible to have a sense of the outside kind of somewhat a, a sense from the outside i'll say god drawing you to a to a place and i would say that's about partnering with what god's already doing in the world as opposed to thinking that you're coming in to fix a thing or do something and i would also say that um i i've liked I, i've recently listened to a podcast that had rob bell on it it wasn't the rob cast it was the zeitcast and the guest was rob bell and he he play he's playful with the language of calling he prefers the word like i think like inquiry like or just to be playful of this notion of calling mm. and i like that i like the idea that being drawn into somewhere isn't about this kind of binary like this is how it is but rather be playful with it be like well let's just see where this goes mm. and let's see if there's something here and lo and behold, I think there can be surprises on, on those type of um, playful rabbit trails that I think God and His grace can hold people in. Hmm. So that's, that's, there's probably more I could say, but I don't want to take up the whole time. So <laughs> yeah, that's just a quick question. That's I, my quick question response. Yeah, I find your response really interesting and it kind of helps me in some ways because I definitely am very comfortable with the idea that like, I have desires, I have things that I want to do. And in the past, I, I think have quite probably too readily uh, projected those onto God. Yeah, right. God is calling me to do this thing, which is actually just something I'm really passionate about. But I'm going to use the God thing to sort of beef up its um, impact or its meaning in my life, or just how how passionate I am about it. Mm. Um, but I like you talking about like the inside out desires and then mm. the outside in. So because mm. yeah, that picture of the word calling is something that's, you know, someone far from you. Yes, that's it. It's yeah. calling. Is, is, is like a come here sort of concept. Mm. Um, and as you were thinking about, I guess, like where my brain sort of landed is, I think God calls in a general sense. Mm. Um, and it is that love and love others. Yeah. That I, think they, I think that is the call of God. Yes. Or the mystery or yes. whatever it is that is the commonality of all things. I mm. think that is the common calling. Yeah. Um, and I think how we specifically respond to that is our desires. Um, and I think for me, the importance of that is, again, taking responsibility for what it is that we want to do. Because mm. if we move too quickly to the, I want to do this thing and God is calling me to do it you can skip over a bunch of self-reflection that you really should be doing mm. because sometimes you want to do something, but it's not always for the right reasons. Uh, you might be yeah. trying to escape from something else. You mm. might be mm. doing that to impress someone. Yes. Um, and there's nothing wrong with doing something to impress someone. There's not even specifically anything wrong with doing something to run away from something yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. But if you're not even taking the time to consider those options and then mm. make fully informed decisions mm. because you've gone, oh, God told me to do it. So I'm just going to blindly go, whoop, off I go. 
then you're robbing yourself of that opportunity to actually process your life and enjoy yes. the moment <laughs> yes. rather than just ignoring all of it. So I think, yeah, so for, when I, for me, calling is that very general movement towards love. Mm. Um, and beyond that, I think there's our responses to that. Mm. Um, and that's, uh, like what you were saying to the youth group kids, I think is pretty on point. Mm. Like, yeah, love God and love others or just love and love others. And what do you want to do with that? Like, how do you want to, how do you want to live that out mm. and own it? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. That's my response. My response. There we go. Huzzah. Huzzah. <laughs> So my favorite quote or the thing that always pops to my mind whenever I think of like defining love or when we talk about love is two quotes from the movie The Moulin Rouge, which oh, I love. Go I'm on. Just massive Baz Luhrmann fan. Uh, the first one that comes is the main character, Christian, is being asked, uh, does he believe in love? Um, and he says, love? Above all things, I believe in love. Love is like oxygen. Love is a many splendid thing. Love lifts us up where we belong. All we need is love. <laughs> and it's this brilliant little mash of just like cultural pop music yes. and songs and stuff like that and just puts it all together. And I think that almost in itself sums up a lot of what love is. Yes. Um, and the other quote is, it's like the quote from the film in the sense, the whole point of the movie. And it says, the greatest thing you'll ever know is just to love and be loved in return. I love that. Yes. So, let's talk about love, baby. baby. Let's talk, talk about, about sex, baby. baby. <laughs> Hang on, what? <laughs> that is, I'm, I'm pretty sure you see, we're replacing the word sex with love in the... In, yeah, we were. In the song. <laughs> That's why I, it didn't, I was like, this song doesn't sound right in this song. And but, then, and then okay. you dropped the S-bomb, so... Uh, the S-bomb. You know, though. Sex bomb, sex bomb. <laughs> anyway, we're talking about we're talking about love, but we're talking I mean, about love. Well, I mean, but even that's but, an interesting but even definition. Even the biological, and because um, I was listening to an interesting thing today, and they were yes. talking about the difference between mm-hmm. uh, romantic love and yes. sexual love. Yes, um, and that those play out differently. Yeah, as far I, as our continue. humanity is concerned, and all that sort of stuff. Continue. Yeah, yeah. Oh, How, so? How so? How um, so? So, okay, let's talk a little bit of. Really basic science. I, I tried to do a little bit of research around this. Mm-hmm. I didn't do nearly enough. And you might know more than me on this, actually. Maybe, uh, maybe not. So there was uh, a study done where they took, I think it was a bunch of different couples um, of different stages of relationships and put them in MRI scans just to see what would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the sets of couples were people who were like newly in love. Another set of couples were ones who had just been in a breakup. And the third ones were ones that had been together for like 70 years or something like some Aww. extended period of time. That's, that's amazing. Um, in all anyway. of them, yeah. there was a common, uh, what do you call it, like part of the brain that lit up, um, which they called the VTA, I think it was. Um, and it sits right, right in the core at the top of the spinal cord. Yeah, right. So that puts it in what they call the quote-unquote reptilian brain. Yep. So... When we're talking about the core thing that's happening in the whole love concept, it's something that's well below thought processes. It's mm-hmm. something that's lower than emotions. 
Interesting. Uh, it's, wow. it's something that works on a very primal survival sort of level. Um, and they were talking about how that part of the brain um, deals with our need, like our, our wanting. What are the things that we want and we desire? Um, mm. But in a... Not, not even in just in survival aspect, but in uh, prop- propagation sort of aspect, but mm-hmm. in a meaningful existence sort of con- sure. um, thing. Yes. Um, but it's very, very deep. Mm. And what our brains do in order to do that is basically to form attachment. Yeah, right. And so when they were talking about the difference between romantic love and sexual love mm. is romantic love really much deals with that attachment thing. Because if you think about it from a biological perspective, when... Two people mate and they have kids uh, as far as the ongoing propagation of life on the, uh, this planet that yep. we call home. Yeah. Um, just popping out babies doesn't help that. In, like, uh, we, we know this with most mammals that the longer that both parents are around, the more stable the upbringing is um, or the, the more of the community that there is. So just the idea that there's a mating process or just a sexual process and then if everyone just leaves, then that's not good for the kids. Yeah. Um, so it's actually not good for our ongoing survival. Um, so attachment actually forms in order to create a healthier lifestyle yes. um, for all those involved. Um, whereas the sexual um, thing is the more emotive part of the brain going, let's have some fun! (laughs) Enjoying experiences and all that sort of stuff, which are all Mm. valid and great. Mm. Um, But just, they are two different aspects of the way love can be expressed in a sense. So, yeah, any thoughts on that for you? Yeah, I'm less thoughts and more like questions that that aren't necessarily answerable and just more Mm. interesting to, to ponder on, especially in light of the research of this particular test that they did. Like, I'm interested to see the relationship between what they talked about, that area of the brain as it relates to love and, and longevity, especially that older couple who sound like being... Yeah, I didn't quite get into that like, part, uh, that, <laughs> like that, 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 that very idea of actual fidelity and commitment in that strong sense really... I, I want to know more about that. Like, I'd love to know the science behind that because mm. I'm sure um, in some sense there would, there would be seasons in their their life together where they must really just not like each other i don't mean that in a spiteful way i mean that no, in just no, the, yeah. the reality of the day today yeah but what it means for them to endure in that space and i know obviously that comes down to the attachment end of things um peer bonding and, and not being alone and the like and something i'm certain that neurobiologically going on there but it's just interesting. So it it's, would be it's, interesting, yeah. It's, I, it's I, less, less, more, more on on what you said, and, and more of an observation of query of like, I wonder what that's like. I mm. wonder. I would love just to know about that. Perhaps even on a more experiential level, to talk to talk to people who've been married like fifty plus years, and who who both say that they're in a happy marriage. Yeah, yeah. I think, and that would be a very varied, mm. a, quite a varied set of responses. I think as well Um, because I think there'd be a lot of people who are stuck together because they were told they had to sure um, and they made it work I think there's a lot of people who are stuck who stuck it out because they because it meant something and there is I'm not saying any of them aren't genuine but sure um, yeah they managed to keep that yeah um, specifically alive for them and all that stuff and that's also valid and I think there's people who probably just endured horrible um, relationships for long periods of time because they were afraid of losing something. Yeah, <laughs> so. and that was my caveat to say, like, 
there would have to be a way of a criteria of understanding what was meant by a good marriage and then asking those who meet that criteria like mm. what like what has made their marriage endure or their partnership endure yeah, yeah, yeah and and what is it that that keeps them together like that that fascinates me yeah, yeah. um uh, and, and I don't necessarily have an answer to that. <laughs> I'm just curious as to yeah, yeah, to that because that's something that's that's the thing that's the source that that really the saucy sauce that that sauce <laughs> that really gets me thinking. Um, that it's it's not just the the good the good chemicals for a certain amount of time for you know the first year of a relationship, but rather this enduring connection that kind of transcends this particular small time frame until a point where they almost have a promised relationship to each other and in that promise they will be there for each other that now that i find fascinating and i think that for me that's a huge facet of love yeah as well. uh, and and i think there is there's a vastly different and even from my own experience a vastly different places to mm. be there because i think i mean statistically we know that when two people come together mm. um, and they have the in love feelings that, mm -hmm. um, which is really just that feeling of attachment occurring because that just hits all of the core parts of our brain, like that ATB, ATV nerve. Yep. That literally is just like, think of it like a sprinkler in the middle of your brain shooting dopamine yep. in every location that it can. It's like, woo, yep. free dopamine yeah, yeah. for everybody yeah, involved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the quote unquote, oh, I'm in love. I love them. I can't stop thinking about them. Yes. Um, they're always in my brain. I always want to be with them. Um, that just real deep sort of like, yeah. um, which they actually talk about. It's actually mimics addiction um, in a mm. lot of ways mm. um, because it is it involves ability to disability inability to disconnect. It involves relapses when things aren't met. Interesting. Um, and there's a lot of the similar aspects that are involved there. Yeah. Um, statistically, that feeling, that very intense initial feeling, lasts about a year. Yep. Uh, for most people, which if you think about it is long enough to have a baby and get that baby through um, its first months of life. Yeah. Uh, from an animal perspective. I know what you mean. It works. Um, so, but beyond that, once that starts to fade, then you got to start making choices based on values and lifestyles and mm. people and reasons mm. yes. that are pushing beyond biological. Yes. And I think that's where you really start to you start to move away from a an attachment based love mm -hmm. to a different type of love. Yes, now um, that's what I'm, and that's what we want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. everyone can just attach. Mm. Attachment is easy. Yes, <laughs> it's natural. Um, but is that even love? Yeah, yeah, and I mean that's the question. I mean that's and that's the nature of this word, this four letter word, this English word that we've. This, this, the sounds that we've decided to make to make this word love is English word to describe otherwise a very complex phenomenon and that is multi-dimensional as well because I can say that I love pizza mm. and I don't think that's necessarily not true it just depends on what I mean by love in that context that's right um, now if I was in a partnership and I looked at the pizza and I love pizza and then I looked at her and I went I love you <laughs> in that same tone, in that same, that same felt sense of meaning. That's, that's condescending. I would find. <laughs> yeah. Okay. True. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like love's just a four letter word. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's, it's a sound, but that's, that's why I'm interested in actually the, 
you remove the word from it and like what is it that we're actually yeah well i think like there is something deeper going on in a lot of ways i think it's almost like what's this energy (laughs) in some ways it's 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 almost similar to talking about god like we're trying we talk about god to understand not so much to understand god but to understand what god is beyond the mystery beyond our understanding Mm. Uh, and i think in the same way this conversation of love is very much the same like we we talk of love as in words and emotions and Mm. feelings but it goes on one level biologically deeper than that but also practically bigger than that yeah there is a mystery to it there is there is a mystery to it yeah um which i think is a really great segue because um i think this have you got some bible stuff that we can talk about or just i think bringing let's just bring some christianity into it yeah because like there's a really big thing that we talk about in regards to like christians would say god is love well yeah and because that's it's funny you mention that because we would even the way you're describing kind of like how we talk about love is how like how we talk about god i was just like well funny that (laughs) funny that isn't it um look there's two things i could say but on this topic as it pertains even to the idea that love as as some sort of juice as some sort of energy as some sort of mystery that goes beyond just the mere four letter words as it pertains to faith there is this quote actually from science mike and he says this he says never let your faith allow you to take a step of distance and say only God does the loving because that's a disembodied faith. For if you believe in an empty tomb, then your job is not to love your neighbor and then your job is to love your neighbor and not merely say God does, Mm. which I love because that goes back down to the heartbeat of it. Love is a, if there's something I will say that's a bit more grounded is love's a doing word. It's a verb. Yeah. Thank you, DC Talk. Yeah, yeah. Is that, <laughs> it's a song. I, yeah, but it's a busy talk before my time. Yeah, they have a song. Love yeah. is a verb. Brilliant. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and love, and yeah, I think it's, love is, it has to be embodied. If I would say there's no other way it can be embodied. If you, if you never feed a child and then you say you love them, that child thinks that love is malnutrition, being yeah. starved. But mm-hmm. we, any, by, but by any rational definition that's not loving which means love is action love is only ever embodied which means that true love i would say is about loving someone without ever having to even say the word Mm. now i think there's something powerful when you can look at someone say i love you so i'm not diminishing that as well of naming perhaps what's going on in the relationship or in the moment i think it's good to put put a name to the phenomenon the deep mystery that's occurring and yet, I think the proofs, proofs in the pudding that you can do these acts towards somebody else or people's. And that in doing those acts towards those people's, that's the love. Mm. Love is an actual doing that's done. Yeah, and I, and I think that's right because that's to speak of it being bigger than language. Yes. Um, but I think there's also it's also bigger than action as well but i think it must incorporate both because yeah. right just just to speak of love it it's almost interesting like when we take it back to that the god theology thing mm-hmm. and we talk about god as love and we can get really caught up in words mm. around that we get really caught up in trying to discuss that you know, like god is love what does that mean does that mean this does that mean that um it might be worth exploring that a little bit in a minute mm-hmm. but mm-hmm without actually going out there and experiencing that and putting it into action. Mm. And it's like, well, how, if, if it's just words, 
like if if I were just to talk about how I love someone, mm. I never actually do anything about that. Yes. Or not even do anything about it. I never actually even experience it. Yes. Because without actually um, experiencing it, then it's it's just words. It's yeah. just. I mean, I, I I've always argued. If, if if you say you have a crush on someone, if you say you love someone, but you don't actually do anything about that, then it's just lust because mm. you crave an attachment for something, mm. but that's not love. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, no, that's actually quite powerful and it's a brilliant way of looking at it. Yeah. Because you can get your frill, your kicks off from a distance. Mm. But Yeah, it's got nothing it. to do with them though. It's, it's, just, it's entirely self-focused and self about you. They're, they're the object. Yeah. And they're your um, like what do they call it? Your the the thing that will fulfill you. Yeah. But as we do with all things that we believe will fulfill us, we like to keep them at a distance because yes. deep down we know uh, they never actually will. Yeah. But the idea of keeping them at a distance yeah. means that the dream stays alive. <laughs> wow. No, that's true. And and this is the thing. Um, love cannot be done by distance. Love is is something that is is a doing an action which means it's supremely relational in fact i would equate i mean you can have toxic relationships so i want to be careful here i'm not implying that the word relationship therefore equals love mm. but i do think love is relationship and it's relationship done <laughs> done lovingly <laughs> done mm. well done good done seeking the the best for that person mm. done um, seeking the the wholeness of that person, hmm. um, which taps into another area of, of theology. Like for me, when I think of God as love, I think of the Trinity. I think of um, you know, Father, Son, Spirit. This notion that if love is about relationship, so it's it, it evo- it's it's about a a a co-partnering of of beings, so to speak. Hmm. It makes sense that God is love and has always been love. And this is one thing I've liked within within Christian theology as it pertains to the Trinity is that, and this is where I'm going, is that even before humans existed or any other creatures existed or the universe existed, you could still say God is love because mm. Father, Son, and Spirit is a co-personal, it's a tri-union, a tri-personal relationship of eternal love. Yeah. So in other words, love wasn't something that was created. Love is something that creates. That creates, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's brilliant because uh, there's a lot of... Uh, one of the misconceptions when it comes to Christianity, especially when it comes to the creation story and stuff, mm. is that God created because he had a need or desire <laughs> to want people. Mm. And so it's kind of like God had this need, needed attachment. God had is like, oh, I have this thing missing inside of me and I must create little people on planets yeah. that will make me feel complete. Yeah, and they must worship and me. <laughs> they must worship me. And, and, and I think there's still a lot of that buried in the Christian psyche in yes. a lot of ways. Like yes. we must do this because God will be happy. And, yeah. and not in a appeasing him sort of way, almost in the sense that he needs us to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. when you actually kind of go, no, 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 God didn't create for love, mm. but out of love, yes. which means love always existed yes and love imbues every single thing that was birthed from that i love that then it's not that we need to do to do anything it's not like god needs anything from us yes it's that you are loved yes and you even to probably push it a little bit further you are love yes yes i love that 
Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's imbued into every atom, every yeah. aspect, every movement Ooh, like of the entire galaxy. Yes. Um, I'm going to quote Science Mike again. He had this brilliant little segment on a, on a live event he did. And someone asked him, uh, it was this whole dog's God love. Huh? Is that the dog's one? Yeah, yeah. He was talking about like they're saying, how are the different ways that, you know, animals experience love and, you know, how does God experience love? Mm. Um, and so he made this great analogy. So he was saying, well, we've done like brain scans and stuff on animals and we know that dogs love, like as mammals, like they, he goes, dogs love you more than you've loved everything in your entire life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is accurate. Uh, he says, cats love but they love their houses more than they love you <laughs> which is why cats will often go back to if you move house cats will often go back that's right yeah um to their places because they love their places um there's but once we start to move out of the mammalian sort of family mm. uh, things don't look the same so you were saying if we look at reptiles mm. Crocodiles will kill their young within five minutes of them being born. <laughs> yes. But would we say that crocodiles understand love? We would say yes, like, but not in any way that we could comprehend. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, well, what about insects? Do insects experience love? Well, we would say yes, but not in any way that we could understand. Yes. And I think this is that thing where we're talking about it, that l- that it has to be bigger than our experience yes. as well. Because if we just kind of go, it's the human experience, it's those emotions, it's that lifetime commitment of two people. Um, and it's like, well, okay, that's a very limited understanding of one yes. experience. And then for you to turn around and say, God is love, mm. you have to project that one experience of that <laughs> onto God. It's mm. like, God, God is only interested in singular one-on-one relationships with humans and isn't concerned about anything else. Yeah. And, but when we say God is love and we talk about him creating all of the universe, the pieces don't click together. Yes. Yes. So we have to have a much more expansive concept of that Mm. and then realize that we have a piece, we we fit into the system. Yes. But we aren't the system itself. Yes. Yes. And I like that. And I think it goes back to what you said as well, that triune love, it's it. And reality itself as a result is the outflowing of that. Mm. And so every single atom is enmeshed in in, in love as love mm. itself. And that goes beyond just what that opening study of that little path of the brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean? that's right. Um, which is because we only, our reality is animated through our brains in terms of what we see and do and feel and touch and the like. We therefore can only speak in those terms. But you're right to to realize that there is a dimension to love that is mystery, mm. um, and that we can we can glimpse into that. If like I would say to quote the apostle Paul, we glimpse into that almost like a child, not like a child, well like a child, um, but then also like one trying to look in a faded mirror. And I'm being playful here with yeah, yeah, First yeah. Corinthians thirteen, yeah. which is that famous passage on love. Yeah, yeah. It ends with this sense in which there's it's all you know we have these experiences, but it's all dim to what's to, the, to a fuller experience of love to come. Mm. Now, we don't have to talk about that, but just the notion that there's a, we can't fully comprehend it. No. There, there is, there, we're, we're only like, we're, we're, we're kids playing in the kiddie pool mm. where there's an ocean. Yeah, that's right. 
and I think that's just incredible to think about like that. Mm. Something that I've I I like is is the notion of of when you read in scripture when that passage of for God so loved the world it mm. was a, it was about embodiment because it wasn't so God so loved the world full stop it was God so loved the world um, that God gave His Son which the incarnation of Jesus is the ultimate act of embodiment mm. the the enfleshment of God mm. and so that just goes back to the idea that love is embodied love is an action because to even because whilst there is a mystery as well, which I want to acknowledge, I also do think there's a particularity. And that is to go, ah, but I can also see in in doing and in action what love yes. is. Um, in fact, I would dare to say you can even see in doing and in action what God as love is. You know, it's it's Jesus who who does who yes, does definitely. acts that that in him displaying the embodiment of God is displaying the embodiment of ultimate love. Yeah, yeah. And I think the thing I love about it, because, I mean, that verse is beautiful, and I think it's, like, it it works in, so you're like, God so loved. Mm. So true. Mm. God so loved the world. And then we, when we say the world, I don't think it's right for us to say planet Earth. No. I think the word <laughs> is cosmos in yeah, the Greek. God, so. Yeah, that's right. God so loved everything. Yeah, all of reality. All of it. Yes. That he gave. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, his one and only son. Yes. Yeah. Um, which doesn't doesn't have to be understood punitively, but no, well, because it often is. But but anyway, well, I think this is the point I'm trying to get to. Yes, because um, we'll finish the rest of that verse in a second. Yeah, is it's this movement from attachment mm. theory love mm. to unconditional love. Yes, yes. Um, if we were, I don't think we want to move on a sliding scale there, but it's a shift in mentality. It is. It is. Because if it was an attachment love, yes. then there's no reason to give. Yeah. And there's no reason to have a complete expansive love on that. The attachment love yes. is about a singular thing, singular focus and what you can get out of it. Mm. Whereas God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son mm. is unconditional. Yes. And it's expansive and inclusive. Yes. And the rest of the verses so that whoever believes in him mm. might know was, was uh, shall not perish but have life of the age life, to come or life everlasting eternal, life, life, yeah. ever, life everlasting yeah and so that passage then mm. well, I read that and I don't hear a passage that says you must believe in Jesus because he died for your sins it's actually no God loves all things unconditionally and when mm. you understand that you will experience life mm, I like that yeah I love that yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so unconditional love mm is a very different beast. <laughs> yes, it is. And it goes back to those, I'm not saying this is necessarily the, the answer, but it's just in terms of that observation, even at the beginning of the episode, I was like, I want to know about that couple mm. who, who've been together for like 70 years or 50 yeah. years, you know? And I mean, you know, it was just a case study. I have no idea what that couple's like. They might hate each other. <laughs> They've yeah, yeah. just conditioned that part of the brain. But, but in, 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 in a better world, in the better case, uh, uh, yeah, that's the type of thing I'm interested in, mm. that unconditional love. Like, as you're right, going from attachment to that of that transition to like, I'm going to love you for love sake. But yeah. even, but I don't mean it in like for love, for love, but there's, I mean, in its unexplainable compound, inner compounding nature just breaks down and just goes, yeah. I'm just going to love. So something from my own experience, you always get to the point in, I think that in any relationship, and in some way or in some form or wherever it is you land 
where you'll find that whole attachment thing doesn't work. Mm. Um, where you kind of go, wow, the thing I want or the thing that I thought would make me happy mm. um, isn't isn't working. Yes. And I think that's actually an important difference to make. Yep. Love and happiness aren't the same thing. No. no. And we kind of go, well, love, love is happiness. Like, no, 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 no. Two very vastly different yes. systems in the brain. Two, yeah, don't link those two concepts together. Yeah. But you'll get to that point where you kind of go, this is the thing that would that would satisfy me, fulfill me, mm. all that stuff. And you will, as with all things, reach the ultimate reality that that does not happen. Mm. So then you've got some options. And this is what I was processing a little while ago. I think you've kind of got the option. And they all start with D. Yeah. Because, you know, Christian things always like to start with the same letters. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can either get to, you start, you can either choose to disassociate yourself from that thing. Yeah. Like, so deny that like it, it doesn't exist it's not a thing um i'll just ignore it just so like wow. just no nah, i'll just ignore it altogether mm-hmm. you can accept it and deny it like so you, you go all right cool this is this thing that i attachment that i want it's not giving me thing but i'll just deny myself from it it's almost putting yourself back yeah. a few stages to kind of go it almost creates that thing yeah wow. um the the science researchers were finding people those people who went in after a breakup mm. their brains lit up even more intensely for love feelings mm. after a breakup wow. than the people who were in love yes because that sense of hope that desire for that gap the brain is going christmas tree lights light it up real strong yes so we put ourselves in a denial stance where we create that gap for ourselves mm. um so it was disassociate deny um, or your third option is to disconnect. So actually go, all right, cool. I'm actually removing myself from this altogether. It's not working. Let's just walk away. Right. Yeah. Um, and I pondered on that for a while and I thought, but there's another option because those are all attachment theory love. Hmm. But if I go, even if I'm not getting something, everything that I want from this person, hmm. it doesn't mean I can't love them still. Yes. Like love is going, you know, all of that doesn't matter. Hmm. I'm going to love them with all of everything that I have. Mm. And then it comes down to just expressions. Um, what is the appropriate way to do that? Mm. How do I show them that? Mm. Um, and it, 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 again, it's like back to that verse. It's about giving. Yes. It's about going, all right, how do I meet them? How do I meet them where they're at? How yes. do I show, show it in a way that is meaningful to them? Yes. Because this ain't going away. This ain't ever changing. Yes. <laughs> um, I may never even see them again, mm. um, but that's never going away because mm. it's unconditional. Mm. Um, and it's just it for me when I was going through that because I, I was in a stage where I was considering those three options. It's like, oh, but then realized like, ah, oh, that's me attaching. And if I can just kind of go, nah, I just love. Wow. Um, and then figure out how to do that in a healthy way. Mm. That was just a whole different ball game for me yes um and made all the difference wow yeah. was there a fourth d no or was that the okay. no no it was just the three it was yeah. the three d's but okay three d's yeah. but then they're all rubbish so <laughs> yeah. and there's healthiness in that obviously with maybe the fourth d's to take the dive take the dive yeah see but even that is that would recommend i still don't think that works within the attachment. the attachment thing because yeah, you're like let's just keep pushing in let's yeah, just keep true. going until it feels right yeah. and there is something in that in pushing through in relationships when things aren't quite sure, working sure. for sure 
but that's not the sort of thing we're talking about no. here. if this was a relationship advice this would be a slightly different podcast yeah, totally. episode um, but this is about shifting from love that you get something from yes. to love that you're just giving this might be a good segue to a quote from Mr. Rogers which fun fact for people like if I could be like one person when I'm older you'll be like Mr. Rogers Fred Rogers he says this he says love isn't a state of perfect caring it's an active noun like a struggle to love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is right here and now I just love that yeah it's fantastic yeah yeah Mr. Rogers man <laughs> he was ahead of the game but well it, I think well it's I mean I hear that and it's he's not even in the game <laughs> like yeah he gets it yes exactly uh, and it's always been the way it is yes and he gets it yes because it's and it goes, and I think what I liked is that yeah, it is in the perfect state of care. It's, it's like an active noun, like a struggle. The word struggle, I love that. And he means it in, not in the negative sense, but in the sense of the angst of, of life. It's mm. like, as you seek to truly love, there is going to be that angst. There is going to be that struggle. And in different contexts of love as well, not just partner love. I mean, the ultimate angst is enemy love. Mm. Um, and that's a, that's, that's a whole other ballpark of love. Like, what does it mean to to love someone you're actively in fundamental ways against. Mm. Like that's, I mean, that, that's been something that I've been kind of playing with in my mind for, for a while mm. now. What does it, what does it, what does it mean to do enemy love? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Cause that's a big thing. Like uh, one of the things, you know, when people say God is love, mm. they go, like, it, it makes it sound soft. Yes. Um, but like, I, I remember when we talked to Brad Jersak and we say, mm. no, we love each other. <laughs> That, that's not easy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's the hardest the, that's option. That's the narrow way. <laughs> it is the hardest option. Yes, yes. In, fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, when, when people often quote, you know, oh, the narrow way, they often quote in terms of like rigid prayer, sinner's prayer, salvation. It's like actually the context of that is there are many ways not to love people, but there is a narrow way to love. Mm. But anyway, I just wanted to play yeah. with that because really you're right. It's, that's the struggle. That's the narrow way. That's the hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. And you're right, that Brad Jersak episode was his, his brilliant reflection on that. It's like, oh, love isn't easy. No. Um, you know, I've, I've, I mean, some ways I've, I've tossed and turned about the actual word enemy. At the same time, I also don't want to remove the sting from it. Like, I guess there have been people I've really just despised. Hmm. And I've just had to be honest with myself of that. Yeah. And I, years ago, I would have never said that. I would be like, no, I don't. But like, <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm actually going to sit with my emotions uh, yeah. rather than going, well, oh, what's that feeling of like deep heat of <laughs> like yeah. my, my body? I am just That's angry or irritated. It's like, no, can we just be honest and just name that there's a hatred or there's a, there is a, a, an enemy, eneminess there. But what would it be like to transfigure that? Now, I'm not necessarily saying that in a, in a cheap way because that's why I like the idea of to love is like a struggle as well and that's where I've been toying with that this whole idea of enemy love like maybe they're still your enemy as you love them maybe that's maybe that's the challenge I think it's the philosopher Zizek and he's he says that um, the he, he actually hates the notion of like when people say like when you love somebody, when you love your enemy, they become your friend. He's like, mm. no, they might never be your friend. That's not the point. Yeah. The point is that they might still be an enemy, 
but you no longer hate your enemy, you're loving your enemy. Mm. Now, what that looks like in some ways is a whole other discussion. As a, as a Christian, I would still identify with the, the classic notion of that Jesus dying on the cross is the ultimate act of of enemy love not that god was enemy towards us but that we're enemy that we're in in some way shape or form careless towards god and, and careless towards our neighbor hmm. um and yet there's there's something of, of a healing nature to the cross i mean that's this is a whole episode as well i guess on yeah, the time, yeah. but by point being within my understanding is that there's even there in that that epicenter of how i understand that there is a yeah you want, want to talk about tough love you know there's there's a you know a guy dying on the cross saying that this is love this is what love looks like yeah and i just think that's profound yeah um him and and like not even to mystify that but actually take that in a very concrete way like in the first century point of view like being there it's like Mm. literally people like the actual state crucifying him and then him saying on the cross father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing like Mm. i'm like so you don't even have to theologize that. Like just just as like being there on the scene, him being killed by people and him not throwing any shade at them. Like that's crazy. That's mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah. So can we spin this on its ear for a little bit? Sure. Because I think we've talked about almost the easy aspect of this. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about the hard aspect of this? Which is the accepting of it ourselves. Because if I think back to that quote that I used at the beginning, like the greatest thing to know is to love and to be loved in return. Mm. Sometimes I think doing the love part is really easy. Mm. Uh, The accepting of it. Mm -hmm. That hard. (laughs) Extremely hard. Extremely hard. And I think think attachment love we do with... We deal with fairly well. Mm. I think we... Kind of go, cool, this person wants something from us. Um, I'm able to supply that for them. Transactional love is really great, really easy. Makes you feel really good. I can do that. But when you start to run into unconditional love, Mm. uh, you start to realize that that's actually love for all the things you can't do. Yes. It didn't have to be unconditional if that wasn't the case. Mm. Um, I can't remember if I've talked about this. Um, but there's this crazy little movie on, I think it's a, it's a website called Tubi. It's kind of like Netflix, but it's all free movies and it's all B-grade films. It's yeah, you told me about it. Yeah, I've told you about it. I don't know yeah. if I mentioned it on here. Uh, and there's this movie called The... Oh, but... What's it called? The Custodian, I think it is. Check it out. And it's basically the story of this guy who is wandering in the bush, finds his way to this mansion which is kind of like the gateway house that people land at when they die before they go to heaven. And in the ballroom is like this light that appears. Mm. Um, And when someone comes to the house, just after they died, they'll kind of like have a conversation with the custodian. And then somewhere in that conversation, this light will appear, which is unconditional love. Wow. And people have one or two responses to it. They'll either walk to it mm. or they will run the hell out of the house wow. and go and hide in a shed. <laughs> wow. And it's profound imagery. It's actually a brilliant film. It's, for me, it's like the shack 
and the shack and this movie is everything I want the shack to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really great. Yeah, and I think it's actually an Aussie film too. But there's this brilliant part in the film where the custodian says to the main character who's just appeared in this house, mm. he hasn't died; he's just wandered in. Yeah, <laughs> as you do, as you do. Yeah, uh, and he says the custodian asks him like, "Have you been in love?" He's like. Yeah, he goes like, no, 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 let me stop you. Like, have you ever experienced complete, unconditional, have you ever been in love? Wow. And the guy looks at him. He's like, no, I don't think I have. Wow. And he's like, that's interesting. And he goes, most people run from it. Oh, no, he actually says some people will run from that. Yeah. And I thought that was so profound. Wow. To kind of go, actually, when we meet it, it actually highlights everything in us. Yes. And we don't want to deal with that. Yes. We'll deny it. Like, no, no. How could that sort of love even exist? And why would it be given to wow. me? Wow. Um, accepting it is harder than giving it. It is. It is. In fact, even... Yeah, there's that verse in scripture that says, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. So even, even there, there's a sense of needing to know that you're loved and capable of love mm. um, and that in that space to accept who you are and then out of that space of accepting who you are there's a perhaps even a more deeper authentic way to accept others but I think you can have one about the other and I think you're right I think there is a journey to be had about accepting oneself which part yes. of me sounds very psycho babbly and be like very mm. individualistic i don't think it has to be no, I, I think, don't think so. i think they can exist cross-culturally yeah and in collective cultures as well um yeah i've heard like i know a lot of christians that really struggle with this idea like the idea that we should love ourselves because uh, it sounds very egocentric but i would argue that narcissists don't love themselves <laughs> yeah wow uh, narcissists in a hate innately hate themselves wow um so to love yourself is that why there's always a a, an inf- a fake sense of inflatedness yeah exactly because they're trying to prove something to yeah. themselves yeah whereas, the balloon's empty you know what I mean <laughs> but yeah yeah that's, that's the um, whereas self love is actually about acceptance of ourselves and and again that unconditionalness of that requires that we accept all the parts of us we don't want to see and don't like mm, yes um, and yeah I think this I mean we talk about all of this stuff but I think self-love really is at the core of this in a lot of ways um, I don't think we'll ever accept love from someone else until we can believe it for ourselves mm, yes. uh, and I think that's and even that brings into question about what is the love you're really putting out there then That's and that's what I meant before of like when you can truly accept the love for yourself and yourself in that love then you could just become out of a place of that attachment yeah. Yeah, and it's f- like uh, and fulfillment. I'm like, ah, oh, let me get, let yeah. me get this because I hate myself. Deep yeah, down. that's right. And that verse, "Love your neighbor as yourself," isn't a, doesn't come a command. It actually becomes a reflection. Yes, it's actually saying, no, uh, the, the as a proverb, "Love your neighbor as yourself" is a truth. Yes, that's all you can do. You can only love your neighbor as you love yourself. Yes, yes. Um, it's not a command. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's actually really. It's actually a beautiful thought. Like, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sorry, you go. No, go. No, I was just gonna put another quote out there, um, and that is actually it's not a quote; it's a thought. 
And that is, I think, the reason why sometimes we can't love ourselves is because we can't, we struggle to accept those parts of ourselves that we think are unlovable. Mm. And I think as long as we're playing, playing that, that game, then there's a fullness of life that we're missing out on. Mm. Cool. All right. Let's get real personal. All right. Real personal. Okay. Let's find that line. Let's find that line. Nathan, mm-hmm. do you love yourself? Do I love myself? That's a hard one. Talk about it. Um, do I love myself? I like parts of myself. Mm-hmm. I love parts of myself. There are parts of myself that I'm probably on a journey of learning to love. Mm. Um, and <laughs> it's hard because I think it was a friend of mine once said, there's that quote that goes, God loves you just the way you are, but he wants that he what he loves you enough to draw you more not to leave you where you are where you where you are that's it and like that's okay but she actually rephrased it she's like what if it's god loves you just the way you are and god loves you and god loves you enough to draw you uh, for you to become more Mm. the and makes all the difference because the but sounds negating that's right yeah what, what would it mean and that's where my struggle is like what would it mean to love myself as i am right now I don't necessarily have to allow that to mean that I don't want to see differences in myself. Mm. And yet, can I learn to love who I am right now? Mm. And I think I'm. I think there's parts of my being that still need to come to grips with that. Mm. As hard as that is to admit, but that is true. Yeah, yeah. And I think intertwined with with that, with the love, is that of the grace. You know, do I give myself? that grace that God already, already gives me. Hmm. Um, yeah, and and the grace to be as I am right now, um, that I am beloved, hmm. and that if I am beloved, I wonder what it mean for me to accept, to look at myself in the mirror and say, I am beloved. Hmm. What about yourself? Do you, do you love yourself, Ben? <laughs> I, I really, really do. <laughs> That's good. Um, and there's that part of me mm. in my brain that goes, don't say that. That sounds really pompous. <laughs> don't say that. But I do. Yeah. Um, there, if I look back at myself, I find it, uh, I guess, a challenge sometimes to love who I have been. Sure. Yeah. Um, and there's the hope that I will love who I will be. Mm. Mm. Um, but those obviously are things that don't exist anymore. So, um, the person I am in this moment, I love, and I've always, I don't know, I guess I honestly have always had that sense and maybe it was always just a sense of self-worth. Yeah. Wow. Um, and confidence in myself, mm. uh, like, but beyond that, like, I guess, like, I think I've always had a sense of confidence in myself and a sense of self-worth mm. because I've believed I was lovable. Mm. Um, mm. and I actually, I think I'd say I owe a lot to Christianity in that sense because mm. at the core of the message, that mm. is it. And I think I, on some level, I must have hooked onto that core of that message mm. and heard it. Mm. And also, you know, um, credit to my parents and my family life mm. um, growing up that uh, I believed that. Mm. Um, so it was modeled to me that I was lovable and I believed myself to be loved mm. um, and accepted myself for that. Yes, And I think because of that 
I still like it is interesting because I feel like I love well. I feel like I love myself well. Mm. Truly accepting love from others, mm. I find hard. Um, because part of that is experience and attachment through attachment that uh, they leave, mm. or the love that I thought was unconditional from them wasn't mm. um, when it actually came down to it. Mm. Um, so it's learned behavior to be cautious about that. Yeah, interesting. Um, and I mean, it, it might also be that because I've had such unconditional love for myself that I expect that when love comes in that it is unconditional. Yeah, right. When it's actually not. Yeah. Um, so I go on more of a positive spin to things. Yes. And that's not to say attachment love is wrong. I'm not saying it's negative. Sure, but, it's sure. not, but I perhaps expect more of it mm. because of what I'm putting out. Yes. And people might think that I'm just being overly mushy (laughs) because of what comes out based on they're going, wow, if that's the level of attachment you're putting out, Mm. but it's not. Yeah, I hate the idea that I would ever come across as attachment. Not to say I don't get attached. Oh, my goodness. All the time. (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. Um, But, yeah, in answer to your question, yes, I do. It's interesting. Like, just as you you were reflecting, I thought about it in terms of, myself in terms of love me loving others in this current space i mean i i do find a little like i I do find that there is as much of a disconnect even though we said earlier that it's probably connection between how you love yourself and therefore how love others i do think there is a connection but in some ways my own lived experience has that disconnect like i'm Mm. fine very easy to love others yep um and i'm not saying i hate myself like i don't think on on the spectrum i actually there's there, I, there's things I love about myself. I think it's more the more the things that or more like irks. Like I'm like like even before about because I got a cold and my voice yeah. is now deeper. I'm like oh I love this. I wish this stayed like this. I'm like why don't I have a deeper voice? Like, like well, what what would it mean just to accept that I don't and to love that part yeah. of myself? So there's 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 stuff like that. But what I'm trying to say what I'm trying to say is is that I I feel like I can love others even if I struggle to love parts of myself if that makes sense yeah that makes sense so even though I do think there is a connection between how you love yourself and how you love others I do think in my own lived experiences there's there's a a disconnect not a connect yeah it's it's the same way I see about um, judgement in my opinion like Mm. I'm I'm not saying I never judge people yeah, I hold judgments very lightly. I'm yes. a very merciful, graceful, just like, yeah, it is what it is type yeah, guy. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, cool. You you said that you did that. Okay, cool. Like, yeah. you, you did it. Okay. Can't change it. <laughs> but I, I just don't care about that, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes but sense. But for myself, I think, oh, I think others aren't going to show that. And yeah. So, pardon me, that's the counselor in me. Because I was like, well, I've been yep. taught how to show empathy. Mm. Oh, shit. Others probably won't show me empathy, but yeah, I'll yeah. show them empathy. Do you think it's because... Mm. So, if, attach, if we talk about love as attachment, mm. and that's really to do with a lot of the details yes. we someone. But when we move to that unconditional sort of love, we actually mm. move like beyond details because details do. no longer matter and we yes. go to something deeper than that. Yes. Um, so, do you think for yourself that mm. you see the details in yourself more than you do in other people? 
Yeah. And so yeah. it's hard to get past the details well, to the core. Because I, I reflect on myself. I'm like, I see details in other people see, a lot more than I do for myself. See, yes and no. In fact, probably more no, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would say I can actually see details of those very well. I just not going to hold that against them. Whereas I hold that against myself because that's how I think others will see it. Interesting. Yeah. So I go, um, oh, what will people think of how I sound or hmm. how I act and things like that? And even though there's a part of me that, there's a part of me that doesn't care. There's a part of me that does actually enjoy who I am. Hmm. But there's also that, that, that other layer that doesn't as well. Hmm. Um, because I go, for me, it's a shitty experience when I go, ah, oh, it's so easy for me to, to show that, 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 not perfect non-judgment because no one's perfect but you know what I'm trying to say like mm. generally speaking I'm like oh yeah okay it is what it is with with others and I'm like yeah like I can understand why you see yourself that way why you're going through that so I so I can actually see the detail yeah and be okay with that and love them in that in yeah, that brokenness cool. whereas um I think I'm just always mindful that other people aren't capable of doing that for a turn yeah yeah um, and maybe there's probably a slight arrogance there, to be honest, because I sit there and I go, well, I've got the training to, <laughs> to, I've got the training and I do think the spiritual formation to, to love well, um, I go, how do other people go with that? Yeah, do other people, uh, is this, is this, is how I love people? Is this a normal thing in response? Like, I don't know. I've had mixed experiences. Yeah. It kind of, it's one of my, it, it's a pet peeve that I have that we all of something that we all have and that is um how we were very my, my biggest pet peeve is when people are quick to judge and not quick to listen i'm not necessarily against people making any judgments but yeah, when it's yeah, quick yeah. and it's and it's it's like you say something and it says oh you're that person it's like really you're not going to get to know me you're not going to question any of my no, intentions yeah, yeah. You, it, okay cool i said something and that's it yeah, yeah. thanks man <laughs> like, yeah, yeah that's right it's like and it's it's frustrating because like, i wouldn't do that to them but they but in sometimes it can happen in return i'm yeah. not saying this is a universal no, but it, thing it's, for, it's for me stuck all the time in, it's, it's just, stuck in your own mind enough for it to be a pattern exactly yeah and so to the question more so my struggle has been that i don't know if there are people in my life that i i i want to believe that they are capable of, of showing the love I want to show them. And my fear is that I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I, I fear that I'm a bit of an anomaly. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I mean, like I really hope that people have been formed in spirituality enough or in life enough that they can at some point show that compare care and compassion. I want to show. Yeah, others. And I mean, I think in my experience, it actually is, not all that common, I think, to actually find mm. one, two, couple of people in your life that mm. actually come across when you come across that love. Mm. It's because uh, I don't think it's always just uh, you know that sort of idea. Like if you just find the right person, then you'll have the right love. But that's no, yeah, that's no. complete attachment idea because yeah, no, that, no. that, and, that, and that's someone who I'm, just matches all your and needs. And that's not what I mean. No, like it's not what you mean. No. But I'm just talking about how for a lot of people that would be like the ultimate. Mm. But to actually come across people who love in a real way that mm. is rare yeah um it's yeah. and i think a lot of people I, I think i'd be brave enough to say a lot of people would go their whole lives without bumping into that yeah 
Yeah, which is sad. And I'm it's not saying I'm the messiah. I want to be very careful. I could be an asshole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but hell yeah. The me, oh, me I'm too. Trying I'm, to right, I'm is, a right dick sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, but like, that's and, details. That's exactly. But, but, and that's, that's, I think, what you said then and what you said before, it's not about the details. It's the more broader. Because that's what I mean. Like I, like, I know I can be a dickhead how I, how, if someone cuts me off in traffic, but my instant thought will always still be in the, in the larger paradigm of like, well, maybe their wife's giving birth. <laughs> but I think it's I think it's all right to kind of go like it's almost like what you're saying with the enemy thing before. It's mm. all right for you in the details to kind of go, ah, you know, just yeah. despise them to, yes. for a second. But to understand that deeper than that, yes, there's a deeper you, there's you a mean base. love towards them. Yeah, because <laughs> um, yeah, you don't need to spin your details in a way that say. I mean, it's good to do that because obviously sure. uh, it's not bad. But, but, but you're right. You, you don't have to you don't have neglect to do the that. details like, or pretend they don't exist. That's right. You can actually be full on angry with someone. Yes, that's exactly. okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't deny that. But it's at the larger paradigm you operate in. Yeah, it's that's like, right. What's the engine, I guess? The engine. What's driving it Yeah, all? the engine, the juice, the base. The base. Rob Bell would say. What's yeah, the base? What's the, yeah, the... the well, yeah, what's, what's on the line? Yes. I like that. The details of the triple. Perhaps. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. I like it. Well... I think that's pretty good. Well, I want to say one more thing. <laughs> oh, okay. It's a bit off topic. Okay. But it's on love. Okay. And it's just a quote that... Uh, well, it's actually a thought that's part of a quote from Pete Rollins when he talks about love. And this might be a good way to summarize as well. Because if love isn't about objectifying, then there's always an infinite to the person before you. So for those who like Doctor Who, mm-hmm. you have the TARDIS... TARDIS for those who don't know what the TARDIS is it's a time machine now it's on the outside it's a telephone box Sorry, it's smaller on the outside it's smaller on the outside but on the inside it's infinite dimension <laughs> infinite what would it mean to love somebody like a TARDIS and let me explain because if you think you can get the totality of somebody and love them in that totality that there's nothing more to discover or anything like that. It's like, oh, I know them fully 110% all through and through and through. And there's there's some romance in that, like that you know yeah. someone well enough oh, that definitely. you can pick up on things and definitely. things like that. However, however, on the far side of that, to say that you know them fully, you're not treating them as if they have infinite dimension. And as such, you turn them into an object. But mm. what if, as Pete Rollins would say, love is about the infinite. It's about looking mm. at somebody... They might have physical form on the outside, but there's an infinite dimension to them. And so to love is to always seek to know and to know and to ultimately be known as Mm. well. But to actually see that there's always more to discover. Because I would say, even if we're we're talking about what we're talking about before, we've got being love and that love intrinsically creates, then there's always an expansion. Mm. There's always more. There's always further up and further in and so to love, there's an infinity, infinity to love to mm. somebody. That's awesome. Mm. It's like you love, it's, uh, it's you know, we, we love the details of someone, but we learn to love the mystery. Yes. Because it's like getting to know someone is great. Yeah. And that's important. <laughs> but it's actually kind of go, you know, no, I love everything I don't know about you. Yeah. Yeah. Mystery. That's why I actually really love, um, uh, is it the, the Hindu Namaste? Yeah. Uh, that which is in me sees that which is in you. Is that what it means? Yeah. That's actually beautiful. It's amazing. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> to ponder. Yeah. Cool. 
Wow. I think we should leave it there. We love you all. <laughs> we love you all. And love you, Nathan. I love you too, Ben. Oh, that's beautiful. And we'll see you all next week. We will. Ciao.